Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Janice Dean Podcast. I want to thank all of you for your wonderful reviews. I read all of them, and it warms my heart that you love hearing these interviews as much as I love doing them. I've got more wonderful people coming your way in the weeks ahead, including my friend Shannon Bream. Oh, yes, it's happening, so stay tuned. Now, during the week, I have the pleasure of working with Steve Ainsley and Brian, but on the weekends, we have another crew that helped to start your day, Rachel, Pete, and Will, and of course, my friend Rick Reichmuth. He brings you the weather forecast. And every time I tune in, they're always having fun in between the news and the interviews. They seem to get a lot more eating assignments than we do, so admittedly, I am jealous of this. But like the weekday crew, you can tell they really do like each other, and that's so important in morning television. Will and Pete are friends off the set. I've seen it, and I knew if I interviewed one, I should get the other one to agree to sit with me as well. So Will has his own podcast, which, of course, you can hear three times a week here on Fox News Podcasts, and Pete hosts several programs and special shows for Fox Nation. We're all very excited for the third annual Patriot Awards, which will be taking place in November in Florida. We'll be streaming that live on Fox Nation and taking the podcast podcast on the road, so stay tuned for more details. On today's podcast, I'm talking to Pete, and on Monday, you will hear Will. They both have incredible career paths. Their love of family and country is inspiring. And so, let's get to it. Here's my conversation with the multi-talented anchor, reporter, host, and all-around good guy, Pete Hegseth. Pete Hegseth? You made the Dean's List. Oh, my goodness. I don't know how. That's the first time. Come on. You're a Princeton. Oh, well, I are wasn't you on a the Princeton Dean's guy? List. I, I am. I'm not a Harvard guy, though. Okay. Anymore. So you went to both. I did. But you didn't make the Dean's List. That doesn't make any sense at all. I did. I made the Dean's List in high school. Okay. So uh, you did. This I, is not a new thing. This is not. Are we? We're on, right? Yeah, we're, we're on. We're just starting. It's, I love how you do As podcasts. soon as you get in the chair. I mean, I did sit in the chair. Uh, I was the... I was... My year was the first year we went away in high school from a valedictorian <gasps> to be more equitable, Okay, even back in 1999. So I was in the top 10, but everybody knew who was number one. You. Me. Okay. Yeah, I didn't remind anybody. A but, valedictorian. But I wasn't allowed to be called that because we didn't <gasps> want... It was a top 10, not valedictorian. See, it's, these things... <laughs> Right? We this is how standards right change right there. It's like, no, you we will not have one person. We'll have 10. So 10 people had to speak? No, I didn't get... You had to apply to speak, so I didn't get a chance to speak. Oh, okay. You wouldn't want to hear me speak when I was oh, 18. Oh, I'm anyway. sure everyone... It would have been a nothing burger. Stop it. Yeah, nothing. Uh, well, you made today's Dean's List, which I will, I'm will. i supposed to get stickers for, so I, you will get a sticker. Oh, awesome. 
You can put, put it right it. outside my office. That's right. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I love it when you fill in. Listen, I love Brian and Steve. Yep. Don't get me wrong. Let's put that on the record. For sure. But when I see Pete filling in for one of those guys, I'm like, it's going to be a good show. <laughs> I appreciate that. Well, it's true because you just, I don't know, i you oh, you have a sunny disposition. You do. You do have a sunny disposition. Even though you will go on TV and speak your mind, off the TV, you're a very kind person. Uh, you're always pretty happy, um, always willing to talk to anyone that comes up to you. And that that's really special. Well, I'm talking to the sunniest person I know. Uh, I don't know. We don't. We have. I mean, we know this. We have a wonderful job that we're, we get to do wonderful things, and somehow they pay us money to do it. <laughs> right? I got nothing to complain about. And it's a little early. The the early part of it is the hardest part. That is the hardest part. But once you get past that, mm-hmm. you know, and it's like this is, I get paid to give my opinion and work with awesome people. It's fun. So if you can't handle that, yeah. That, I mean, I could be digging a ditch or putting up power, you know, I mean, which are awesome and honorable professions yes. where real work is done uh-huh. or I could put on makeup and share my opinion. <laughs> you know, it's like, come How do on. you feel about that? About what? Makeup? The makeup. It's fine. I'm still wearing it from this morning. <laughs> I forget to take it off. I, I find I look better Listen, when I have it on. Are, there are some guests that come and get the makeup and then they wear it all day long. Really? Men. Men. Yeah. I, I'm not going to give any names. But they intentionally wear it all day long. I think long. they do. Because maybe it looks like they're tan. I will plead a little guilty to that. Because Will Kane immediately takes his off after the show. <laughs> okay. And he's, he's militant about it right away. And sometimes I just forget. Right. Now, I don't intentionally say I want to look good for dinner. But if I forget, who cares? <laughs> what does Jen say when you get home? Does oh, she, 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 she'll be like, wow. You look good. better than yeah, me. Yeah. I'm always wearing more makeup than her. Ah, she ah. Are you that my husband always says, like, I like you without makeup. Are you that type? You For like sure. the natural? Yeah. I mean, I think, I mean, because you're naturally beautiful. My wife is naturally beautiful. Aww. And if, when you can do that, it's great. Yeah. yeah. Just a little powder here or there. Listen, we appreciate that. Any chance you get to tell us that we look better without the makeup or the hair is a good. And when you're not lying, it's a real bonus. <laughs> All right. It's a real good. bonus. Good enough. If, if I've jumped the shark and put makeup on both before an event or something, <laughs> that's when it's going wrong. When you've yeah. got your own hair and makeup team. Yeah. <laughs> or when I br- we're going to dinner and I break out the brush, <laughs> then, then then it's unacceptable. So where you are right now, did you ever envision yourself being a TV guy? No. Never? I mean, I, no. I, I guess, uh, no. I, I, I always, I, there are some videos hidden in my parents' vault uh, of VHS tapes, some of which have been converted, and we should use them on Fox. And oh, Prince. I you know, would you love can mail that. them in, and they send them back to you in a thumb I've drive. I've had that done too. Uh, where we did a sports show in my basement with my local buddies when I was in How junior old? high. Okay. We're talking like 11, 12, 13. That is awesome. And we talked about current sports, trading cards, like what cards were hot, what cards <laughs> are not hard, hot oh to trade gosh. in my room. And we had a little thing, and it was just. And we had guests. We would all dress up and wear a jersey of like, oh, we've got Bobby Hurley or Chris Mullen or Michael Jordan coming right. in for an interview. And they're somewhere. So maybe I had an inclination to mm-hmm. want to broadcast. Yes. But no, I, I, was always, I always knew writing is something I enjoyed, or at ah. least I knew. I mean, I, I wrote in college for the conservative newspaper. So I've always been oriented that way. But in the military... You know, I didn't try to seek a TV job at all. It was it was an accident. I started doing segments on TV for vets groups that I ran mm-hmm. about the war, about foreign policy, or about vets. And then one day, it was one of our bosses called and said, "Have you ever thought about asking questions instead of answering them?" That oh, was that was literally how they phrased it to I me. Like I like that. Hmm. And so I guest hosted Fox and Friends Weekend, and 
Uh, that was a weekend where an unfortunate incident occurred, which you can Google, involving weaponry. Oh, I remember you that. You remember that. Yeah. That was, was that your first, first <gasps> day ever hosting Fox and Friends? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yes. Uh, and so they said, well, you take a break for a couple of weeks after that. <laughs> Thank goodness everything worked out. But you were, I mean, you wanted was, to get into I it. I was brand new. I was eager and ready to go. Uh-huh. And uh, listen, it, all I could do is make a fool of myself. So I'll try anything one time and it must have gone okay. And then, you know, as things go, Tucker was the weekend host and mm-hmm. he went to where he is now. Where is time. he now? Where is he, that guy? <laughs> that guy, Tucker. He used to have so much power. I can't believe he, he did the morning show. And he he's great. We, he's also somebody who's so you funny. You talk about a sunny disposition. He really does. Yeah. I don't, I've never seen him really in a bad mood. No. Um, and he was really good on Fox and Friends. Yeah, he was. Yeah. He was one of those guys where you sit with the producers before the show and he showed up and everyone kind of stopped. Yeah. To listen mm-hmm. because he would be engaged. I can't do that. Like, I can't immediately come in in the morning and be gregarious. Tucker comes in and is gregarious. <laughs> you know, you're like, where? And he's like, I already went for a run. I, like, you're right. <laughs> I just got out of bed. <laughs> and he loves to, I remember he loved to eat all the snacks that we had on the show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. He wasn't afraid like Brian Kilmeade. Brian Kilmeade, I still haven't seen eaten anything on the pro. I saw, did you <gasps> not? About three weeks ago, he took a bite. And I, Jen and I were watching. When was it? I, I don't, was it the Steve's cookbook? It was Steve's cookbook. I think you're and he right. he took one small bite. <laughs> and Jen and I were watching and we both were like, there are... I don't know. Do, I don't know if viewers pick up on that, but That's, he refuses to eat. Right, and he did, and he it was must a big have been moment. Really hungry. He must have been really hungry. <laughs> well, he also eats really good things too. Like he, he, he eats weird organic stuff. I think super healthy. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. same with. I mean, same with Ainsley. This morning, she said, "Do you want an acai bowl or a acai bowl or whatever?" <laughs> and I had to steamroll that. Yes, you walked in and said, "We're ordering from a diner," and I was like, oh, "Ainsley, you're gone." <laughs> she a- has tremendous willpower. Yes, yes. Mm. Um, I don't. And whenever there's a diner menu and someone says, I'm going to order at seven o'clock and it's the full breakfast, I'm always going to do that. Yeah. When Carly walks up and says, <laughs> and you intervened and said, would you like a real breakfast? I, I'm always going to take that. But listen, you're a guy that, I mean, you're not always eating hamburgers, though. What's your favorite food oh, to eat? It's uh, ribeye, ribeye steak. Really? Oh, you and absolutely. Bill Hemmer. Absolutely. It's, and you, do you once make you go it? ribeye, you can't go back. Really? Why? Because well, I grew I grew up on you know, we would never eat steak. When my dad made steak on the grill, it came out like a hockey puck. Oh no! Like well, well, well done. So I never. That's a and bad God bless dad Brian Hegseth. I mean, I love him, but like that's how his dad made me. That's how his his dad made me. You know, burn it, kill it. <laughs> And so he did. So I was, you know, lukewarm on steak, and then over time, I was introduced to actually really good steak. And then once you go to the filet, uh-huh. which has no fat, which means it has no flavor, oh. then you graduate into the strip and then the ribeye's got the marbling on it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's the it's the fat then. It's the, You know this. I don't though. No? I don't think so. It's the fat that gives it the flavor. Oh. So the fat melts into the But I don't the, want a big meat. piece of fat in my mouth. Fair point. Who does? <laughs> Fair point. But it's, that's why this is getting real snobbery, but you got to look for the prime cut if you can. It's very expensive. Okay. But it's got more marbling inside the meat, so you and therefore it reduces into the meat, and you get the juice. And then you end up slicing a little bit of the okay. fat off the mm-hmm. side and then eating it with a chunk of the meat, and oh, you get all wow. the... Let's put a little butter. I mean, forget <sighs> about it. Although the best cheeseburgers I've ever had, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, and... This may be hyperbole and par- partially memory. 
is Samara Iraq Fob Brassfield Mora. All they the short order cook could make was burgers because it's all we really had. So every day I had a double cheeseburger. And it was the highlight of my day every day wow. when I was on base, when we weren't out. So you'd be mm-hmm. out for three, four days. You come back, you had this juicy double cheeseburger and it was glorious. That's amazing that yeah. you remember that. And we'll be back with more of the Janice Dean podcast right after this. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, tell me about your service, because I don't know that we spend a lot of time on the fact that you, you know, I mean, you served and served quite a bit. Yeah, it, it was, it was, you told me, we were talking about schooling and everything before we started. It was definitely the best, biggest education I've ever had in my mm. life as far as human nature yeah. and perspective, mm-hmm. uh, gratitude for what we have, but also like when you see sheer humanity, depravity, sheer poverty, right before your eyes and it i don't know it crystallized a lot for me but i was a i was an infantry platoon leader which means i was a ground guy Mm -hmm. and i led 40 men as a platoon leader and i did so i did a year at guantanamo bay i was mostly in the national guard so i was a national guard officer which means i had a i worked at bear stearns may it rest in peace oh before it i I was part of the pre-collapse yep uh but i deployed twice while i was working there out of college and first was to guantanamo bay where we guarded what was then 700 detainees, more or less, at Guantanamo. And then I was a platoon leader in Iraq, 0506, and uh, did that for six or seven months and then transferred over to a what's called civil military operations, which basically means I was the, the uh, conduit or the advisor to the local government, Iraqi government, mm-hmm. which is an impossible job. And you think you can affect things, and sometimes you do, but mostly you don't. It all depends on the courage of local leaders and whether they want to stand up and mm-hmm. how much power the insurgency has. And then when I was in Afghanistan, I was an instructor. So I, my job was to, I was a, the senior counterinsurgency instructor, instructor. So anybody coming to the country who wanted to learn about our, effectively our strategy and how you apply it, mm-hmm. um, it was my job to kind of give them the last course. So like you're here in country, here's the latest and greatest of what the Taliban's doing, how they're trying to use it against us and what you should try to do to counteract it. I mean, that's it's, really incredible. It's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, I, I went into Iraq pessimistic and came out optimistic, really? oddly, based on the time frame. Why? Because the war was, it was, it was Bush's war. It was seen as an evil war. It was seen as the wrong war and it wasn't going well yeah. in 05, 06. By the time I left, I felt like I had seen enough that if we applied a different strategy in the right way, we could turn the tide and at least give the Iraqi government an opportunity mm-hmm. to fend off the insurgency, which is effectively what happened before it all went sideways. Mm. I went in optimistic to Afghanistan and left very pessimistic, really? even in 2011, 2012, because the writing was on the wall. I mean, it was such a corrupt government. We have all these Afghan troops, most of which nine in 10 Afghan men who joined the army can't even write their own name, oh, wow. you know, read or write or count. Yeah. So we're handing them billions of dollars of equipment and hoping for accountability or building schools and hospitals. And the first thing that happens is that everyone steals all the air conditioners. You know, I mean, it's just, you're, it's, it's biblical times with AK-47s and cell phones. And, and the idea that we were going to build something lasting after we left 
just never seemed real. Hmm. So we did a lot of lying to ourselves as a government and a military for years and years and years. So the collapse didn't surprise, surprise me you. at all. That's interesting. At all. The Iraq collapse when ISIS took over had a huge effect on like that was vets will talk about that rocked me in fact i got on a conference call with my brigade commander and first sergeant and a couple other people and we're like what do we do uh, we had i say this it never happened but we had serious discussions about could we put together a, a teddy roosevelt style rough riders unit fund it you know get over there and fight back against isis that kind of feeling like wow, wow we gave this whole thing away Whereas in Afghanistan, it was more like, saw this one coming. You did? You know? Yeah, unfortunately, for so many wonderful Afghans who threw in behind us on that effort. Yeah. And now they're either not there or have been hunted. I just think about all those people that were grabbing onto that plane trying for freedom. It's just... I mean, imagine if your alternative is hang on to a plane, uh, then the, the other alternative must be really, really, really yeah. bad. Handing your baby over a concertina wire? I can't even imagine. Yeah. But, um, and now there's starvation, mass starvation there too. Oh. It's just. How did you, I mean, are you from a family of service? No. I mean, f family of patriots. I mean, yes. wonderful people. Um, my dad was a public school teacher. He was an athletic athletic director. Mm -hmm. Shout out to Brian Hexeth, the athletic director, Yay. Hall of Fame. Hall of Fame in Minnesota. You also made the dean's list. Yes. Uh, and my mom was a homemaker. She stayed home with us. Uh, and they, you know, we went to the 4th of July parade, the Memorial Day parade. I talk about, I think it's the the confluence of multiple civic events. That's why I'm a big fan of parades and civic ritual. Mm -hmm. Like take your kids to parades and events where there are troops or flags and fireworks. That actually does leave an impression yeah. on you. Wow, these things are special. We celebrate them. Yes. Just like Christmas or Easter or anything else like that. It, it, I remember these small town parades in Wanamingo, Minnesota, southern Minnesota, the town of blinking, you miss it, no stoplights, you know, 500 people. But they would all stand on their feet and salute these men who were walking down. Mm. And I just remember thinking, and maybe it's a, I don't know if it's one particular memory or, or just thinking, man, they must have done something special. Wow. You know, and if they were willing to do it, I should be willing to do it too. That's about as deep as it went for me as a 14 year old or 15 year old Pete. So I got into West Point and. Princeton and I wasn't ready yet because I didn't really know anything about the military. I wasn't ready to commit to a military life at 18. I, I kind of wish I had. I mean, I don't have any regrets, but mm -hmm. I knew at Princeton I could do ROTC, which is another way to become an officer in the Army. But I didn't know the difference between the Army and the Marine Corps. And I couldn't tell you. I think I've made a lot of military decisions probably differently if I had, but mm -hmm. again, no regrets. And they, they were supportive. And my mom prayed a lot when I was deployed. Yeah. And I've got some stories about that, but it's, yeah. It's, I, I hope my, I'd like to think my kids would think about doing it too, but it's, mm -hmm. it's got to be an individual choice for everybody. How do you instill that? Because you talk about my husband will, my oldest is a Boy Scout and one of the events that they had probably on the 4th of July, I can't remember, was a, a, a World War II vet talking about his service. Sean took my oldest and said, this is a special moment. Listen to what this man has to say. And that is so important. I mean, my just my heart grew that day because, yes, we need to know our history and we need to celebrate these people mm -hmm. that risk their lives for that. I get chills when you just when you say that. I just a week ago, a guy came up to me, he said he's a fan of the show at the airport. And I he said, I'm here with my 98 year old World War Two mm. grandfather. He wanted to go on his last cruise. So he took him on a cruise. This guy, he, I said, what, well, can I meet him? Yeah. You know, I mean, that, that was my, and we went over took, and I took a picture so that I could send it to my boys and say, hey, oh. I met a hero today at mm. the airport. 
I, I don't, you know, all you can do is the repetition and the celebration and the education so that they appreciate it. I know you guys do the same thing, as mm-hmm. you just mentioned, and hope and pray for the best. I, we're losing that, though, aren't we? For sure. I mean, look at the way, not to get political, but look at the way um, Trump was mocked for the idea of a parade, a big military parade. And I, don't, I, didn't, I never saw that as this, like, militaristic. I saw it as, yeah, let's do stuff like that. I mean, I feel like it feels, it's starting to feel passe mm-hmm. that you would have a parade yeah. or you would, you know, dress up your flo- floats or whatever. That, and it, maybe it does feel that way a little bit, but it shouldn't. And we need the military so isolated from most people's lives. You know, unless you have an army base near you, you really don't ever see anyone in camouflage or in uniform. Why would you? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so you have to find a way to integrate it into your own community and your own lives. And they're, they're, thankfully, there are wonderful people who still do that. But it doesn't certainly in our schools. I think the idea of an assembly with vets or an assembly with uh, on a patriotic day. I just don't think it happened. And I'm not saying that as speculation. I'm saying that as someone who's had kids in the past in public schools in good communities where you just didn't do that. Mm-hmm. Earth Day? For sure. Okay. <laughs> Earth Week. But, you know, Veterans Day or Constitution Day or President's Day, you know, there are plenty of voices out there that will say, why, why would we celebrate those things? And mm. if that's your view and then you have administrators or leaders who are just afraid to get blowback, Mm -hmm. then you set it aside. Mm. I think the pandemic really made us pay attention to what was happening in our schools, which I think is ultimately important and maybe something that came out of the pandemic that was good. For sure. I mean, the first chapter of my book in June was called the COVID-1619 moment. Wow. That's kind of what I call it. Yeah. COVID put us at us home. You're watching your kids over your Zoom laptop. Oh, and you're like, what? Yeah. You know, it was, that was about the same time the 1619 Project came out and schools were starting to adopt it. This idea that our founding date shouldn't be 1776. It should be 1619 when slaves arrived mm-hmm. and that should define us. And yeah, or gender pronouns or common core math, which you can't figure out even for fourth graders, mm-hmm. even, you know, with an advanced degree. Or merit-based programs. Or merit, all of those things. So I think it was a giant wake-up call. And then you had the, the, the COVID money that was supposed to be used to open school. I mean, I'm talking to you, and you know all of this, and so do your listeners. And it, it still hasn't been spent. And then in some places, like San Francisco or others, they're using it to rename schools as opposed to reopen schools. The priorities have nothing to do with the education of kids. And then, of course, the whole book – we wrote a whole book on this, and none of it had to do with standards. Or, or I mean, I mean, excellence or outcomes, mm-hmm. meaning we didn't even touch on the topic of the fact that Johnny can't read and right. it's only gotten worse yeah. under COVID. And we're supposed to care about those low income families the and, most. Yes. That's what education is. That's why I was always passionate. about. in fact, I think the first article I ever wrote, you should find it somewhere. I think it's in the Forest Lake Times. I think I was 17. Yeah. I wrote about the Democrat congressman in our area and what a great guy he was because he cared about education. Wow. And I don't know, I, I'm sure it was, it was, but coming from a, a family of an, ed, my dad was an educator, just believing that there's, there's, only, there's one thing, you know, you can't choose where you were born. You can't choose your race or your gender. Well, I guess you can these days, but like you can't choose a lot of things. Mm-hmm. But if you can, but you can change your lot in life by, by getting an education. Yeah. That's the one leveling influence that government or, or people should have. Mm-hmm. 
And everyone should have access to that. That's how you rise. Yep. Otherwise, you fall for this equity nonsense that we're all going to have some similar outcome, which mm-hmm. has always been a lie. Right. But if you can give an opportunity to everybody just to see, I mean, that's why we're doing a frontal assault on the on the public school system because it's failing. I loved public schools. Me too. I went to public school. My children went to public school until the pandemic when my youngest could not be on the Zoom and he just couldn't be in front of a tablet all day long and he would lose it. He would have mental breakdowns. And I thought to myself, why is this happening? And why is the Catholic school still yeah. up and operating? The Catholic school, and we're Catholic, but I always believed in uh, public school. Mm-hmm. But when I heard that the Catholic school was was closed one day, wow. Pete, wow. one day I was on the phone and I said, listen, my little guy can't do it. My my oldest guy, kid was fine on the mm-hmm. Zoom and the and the iPad and all that, but Theodore couldn't do it. Got on the phone and they said, well, I think we can make a spot for him. Wow. And I registered him and he's been there ever since. It's amazing. Both my children are now in Catholic schools. We had almost the exact same thing. I mean, I loved, I believe, my belief has been if it was good enough for me, it's good enough for my kids. Yes. Right? And it's this big institution that everyone should have access to. Yes. So that... That was my default setting. And I think that's where most people are or want to be mm-hmm. until you actually take the time to look under the hood. Yes. And that's the problem is mm-hmm. that it isn't the idealized view that you have and I have of our high school. And it maybe wasn't perfect, but it was ours. And, mm-hmm. and we navigated just especially in New Jersey where I was. Uh, it, it's the, the, the mandates coming down statewide on gender stuff and everything all the way down to first grade. But it was the COVID thing that we we said, we're out. I mean, it's actually a holiday program. I won't get into the whole story that happened at this public school. It's like, how do you have a whole holiday program that doesn't mention Christmas one time? Oh, my. It's an hour. And I anyway, it was but it was beating your head against the door to talk to the principal about it because they've got all their pre-written talking points. Oh, yeah. They can't touch anything. I get I already knew it, but it, it felt cathartic to write it. Yeah, we took it. We were in Catholic school for two years with our kids, too, because it was open. Mm-hmm. I said, it's open and God's there. That's, I'll take it, you know, and, and so, and, you know, recently we've, we've moved and they go to a classical Christian school, which is exactly the type of school I wrote, wrote about in the book, Mm -hmm. um, which, which has rediscovered this lost form of learning that we used to educate our kids in 200 years ago in Western civilization, but was totally buried. Uh, But yeah, COVID, this is a moment for Arizona actually just passed universal, effectively universal voucher system Mm -hmm. in Arizona. That's the future. You want to break the mon- – it's time to break the monopoly, the assumption. It's, it's just like the VA with vets. The VA doesn't have to treat vets like customers, so mm-hmm. it treats them like a number. Yeah. And as a result, you're waiting. And it's a- Same thing with public schools. If they don't feel like they have to compete for your tax dollars, yeah. then they just ask for more money and produce the same results. Mm-hmm. And if you're lucky enough to live in a zip code where there's lots of money and people care, then maybe you have a good public school. And a lot of people in our world probably have access to that. But if you're not – you're stuck. Yeah. Arizona said $8,000 follows every kid and the parents decide where the kids go. And that's a market. And some public schools will survive. Some won't. But a ton of private schools will be started yeah. to meet the demand mm-hmm. as well, which is a good thing. So yeah. I think school choice is should be front and center for everybody because not everybody can make the choices that you and I made. Exactly. And that's the problem. It's true. And we need to be taking care of our kids. Mm-hmm. If we can't take care of our kids, then we have a real problem on our hands. It's true. And I... It took me many years to realize that's my most important job. Yeah. Right? I don't know when it hit you. I don't know if it's age or what it is, but 
you're, you can be real selfish and you're all, we're all in this business. So obviously there's plenty of ambition. Mm-hmm. And then you look around and you go, no, 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 that kid who picks his <laughs> nose, <laughs> that's the most important thing I have. That's my most important job. And we outsource it to so many different people. And we're always going to have to at some level. I just want to outsource it to people that I know share my values Mm -hmm. because of the limited amount of time that I have. We'll be back with more sunshine right after this. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Are you an optimistic guy? Generally speaking? Yeah. Uh, generally speaking, yes. Okay. But if you were to ask me how optimistic I am about a lot of things right <laughs> now, I probably wouldn't be so optimistic. <laughs> like what? I don't know. Like 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 this... This, the state of our republic. Mm. I just, and and I did a segment on this a couple of weeks ago. I, I do think, and I say this as the most flawed, sinful person on the planet. <laughs> no, I really do. I'm, there's no Bible beating here from Pete Hexa. I need it more than anybody. But when you start to dismiss faith as an important factor in your own life or in the life of your country, you you start to find faith in something else. Mm. Politics becomes too important. Culture becomes too important. And then you're chasing things that you can ne- will never be utopia as you've envisioned them. So they're going to fail you mm-hmm. and they're going to fall apart. When you, so, and we've just slowly but surely ripped that out of our family lives, our community lives, certainly our, the public life. And therefore, there's no grace. And when there's no grace, it means there's no forgiveness. Mm-hmm. And when there's no forgiveness, that means you win or you lose, you're canceled or you're not, or you're acceptable. You're, and it becomes black and white. And our politics then become black and white mm-hmm. and uh that doesn't lead to reconciliation, which leads to political outcomes. You know, you win an election, you lose an election, but everybody loves America. Yeah. That's feels like what it used to be. Mm. And when you feel like at least, and I, the other side would, would characterize me differently and characterize it differently. But when you feel like one side of the aisle is effectively trying to say America is a bad place yeah. and needs to be overturned, that's scary for someone who believes America is a good place, even if it's imperfect. And so the, it, I don't know how it ends, and I certainly hope there's room for reconciliation. Mm-hmm. But that's why I've targeted, I guess, education, is that you can't win this at the political level. Like mm-hmm. one election or a different president or a, more senators, sure, it might stop nonsense, but it's not going to change the undercurrent, which it just feels like is... When you look at human history, we're a blink. Yeah. And our republic is the exception to the rule in human history. of people have lived under a a king or a theocrat uh, or or an autocrat. This idea of freedom is really, really rare Mm -hmm. and it's really, really fragile because all the other ones have failed in history. Yeah. And if we're, if we're going to eat ourselves, that's how we're going to, that's how we're going to lose it. And I just think Americans, we have sunny, optimistic dispositions. America, America, we could lose the country. Mm. I don't, no one's rooting for it. We're all fighting for it, but if you undermine, and, and it's funny because both sides are saying this, right? Yeah. yeah. Both mm-hmm. sides are saying you're undermining and that doesn't, to me, end well. Do you have any friends that have uh, different political uh, 
ideologies and you still get along with them? Less and less. Uh, they just choose not to be friends with me. I feel like that's mostly what's happened. People that I was friends with from the other side have just effectively said, you know, I don't want to talk anymore. Aww. Because I can, I can have a really jovial, good conversation with somebody on the other side and really enjoy it. Mm-hmm. But when the other, without looking at them and saying, you're a bad person. Right. And I just, at least in my experience, especially when it comes to Trump, it is you're a bad person. Hmm. And you can't have a conversation with someone that looks at you and says, you're a bad person. Mm-hmm. You can say, I disagree, or you're really wrong. Yeah. Um, so yeah, less and less. And you know, I grew up in a pretty conservative area, so all my high school buddies and everybody else, they're, they're all, you know, wingers. <laughs> <laughs> right wingers. Uh, and so it's, but that's great, because I get tons of feedback from guys that cut lawns for a living, or do construction for a living, or are, you know, retail salesmen. And that's the best feedback you can get, not another pundit. And, and that's why I love doing the diner stuff on Fox and Friends. You go up and you talk to people and it f- turns out like a lot of the stuff everybody's talking about, they don't care about. And it is bedrock issues of their family and of faith and of their, their kids' classes mm-hmm. that really matter to them and do resonate Yeah. once you ask them about it and they, they're able to talk about it. Would you get into politics? Uh, no. Really? I, I, I would have said... That was a... You know, there was a little hesitation and then no. No. Maybe it's me talking to myself. <laughs> Sit down. Because Don't do it. here's the thing. I just feel like more people should get into politics if they have something to say and mean it. Hold on. Who am I looking at right now? <laughs> Why am I answering this question? <laughs> I just want to hear it from you. <laughs> And then I get to ask you the same question. You know what? Obviously, I've had a political streak. I ran for the U.S. Senate in Minnesota in yes. 2012, mm-hmm. and it went down like a like a train wreck. Okay. I mean, I lost before I even got to the ballot. I was so not ready to be a candidate. And I think it was really instructive for me of how little I knew, of how the characterization I had of the political process and how mm-hmm. easy it was going to be for me to just zoom in yep. back from the battlefield and everybody loves Pete. No, no, no. A lot of people don't like Pete. Great. And I don't talk in the third person now. Uh, I really don't. But I get smoked and it was, I'm so glad I did. Uh, It would have to be a situation where I felt compelled and it was just the right moment and the right time. And you love the country. I love the country. If it were to come to that, great. But right now I got, you know, a bunch of kids and (laughs) politics doesn't pay very well either. But that's never been a motivator for me at all. Yeah. Money. So if, if it were to be the case, I would think about it someday. But okay. the best thing, the best moment in TV, at least if you're politically inclined, is the moment you say, uh, I, I'm not going to calculate at all what I say on the air based on someday it could be used against me yeah. in a campaign. Of course. Because when I first got on TV, there was a little bit of that. Like, oh, don't say that. Don't say that. Yeah. And once you say, no, 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 I'm just going to be me and yep. whatever happens, happens. And of course, on Fox and Friends. We've made fools of ourselves every morning for years. So take your pick with whatever you want. Uh, that's, you know, that's the scary part of the age that we're in, too. We have so much that can be used against us. Like, who's going to run for politics? Well, like, look true. at somebody's Twitter feed and it's right there. It's true. I also think that becomes a benefit, though. There's mm. so much noise. It's like, take your pick. Yeah. Okay. And, it, and it's up it, as long as it's not existential to who you are. Like, it just gets smacked away. Mm-hmm. And... I'm so gladly not on Twitter anymore that 
I don't know. It's probably a good thing. Listen, Twitter has been mostly a good experience for me, but there, you know, there's obviously not good experiences. When I needed it most, when I was going up against a governor, it yes. was a powerful weapon. Absolutely. Yeah. And when you just, that was a that was a profile in courage. What you did in Aww. that way. No, these are like powerful people who like to try to destroy people, and you did it for the right reasons, and you spoke for a lot of people, mm-hmm. and that's why. You will be governor in four years. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, we're going to wrap up on that. But to be continued, Pete Hegseth, you're such a lovely human being, and I'm I'm so grateful to know you. Well, likewise. Love you. Okay, we're going to do this again. For sure. With With drinks. drinks. (laughs) There you go. Thank you so much, Pete, for joining me today. He is the best. And make sure you tune in on Monday for my conversation with Will Kane. They are both amazing humans, and I feel really lucky to work with them. Don't forget to mark down November 17th on your calendar for the third annual Fox Nation Patriot Awards. Pete will be hosting, and we will all be there taking part. We're also going to be doing some podcasting, so stay tuned for more exciting news on that coming up in the weeks ahead. Thank you to all of my listeners. If you have someone you think should make the Dean's List, let me know at Janice Dean on Twitter or Janice Dean FNC on Instagram, or you can rate this podcast. Please subscribe, rate, and review to this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or at foxnewspodcast.com. And don't forget to spread the sunshine. chair and join me, Rachel Campos Duffy. And me, former U.S. Congressman Sean Duffy, as we share our perspective on the discussions happening at kitchen tables across America. Download from the kitchen table, the Duffy's at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you download podcasts.